You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you? Podcast on a Thursday. Yeah. Holiday weekend started early. I love it. I love it. So we have a very important topic today, and this kind of came out of some of the internal stuff that we do here at SRB, and that is we're going to talk a little bit about cybersecurity, keeping yourself safe, and kind of some of the steps that we take for our clients to make sure that they maintain safety when it comes to not only cybersecurity, Dave, but also... You know, as we age, there is that more real threat of being targeted mm-hmm. uh, for different kinds of um, risks and scams and abuses out there that are targeted towards our older population, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate that we have to talk about this, but I think it's important that we do. By way of background, our firm goes through cybersecurity training as a team every year with our IT folks, and we also as a group did an ARP elder abuse program how to yep. you know spot and prevent and help with uh, financial abuse we did that as a group a couple of weeks ago just to refresh really cuz you and I have been through those kind of trainings a few times in our different lives with the bank and different things like sure. that but uh, it's always a good i, I think i I think I learned something new or I'm reminded of something new every time we go through that. So, so I think, you know, we, we decided it was an important topic to share on a podcast, A, because we want folks to know what we're doing and what they might be able to do. And then, you know, I was thinking elder abuse doesn't just touch us and our clients. A lot of our clients are touched by it by way of the fact that they're taking care of their elderly parents too. Absolutely. So, you know, it's good stuff to share and we've got some resources we can, uh, the podcast notes too. Yeah, I think that's so true. You know, I think everybody's kind of touched by elder abuse, whether you're dealing with your parents, grandparents, it's you, you know, it's, it, you know, it really affects everybody. And it's something that we, you know, have to look out on for on all levels. So definitely. And one thing to, to keep in mind is elderly folks tend to be more vulnerable to these abuses, but there's other factors that can make anyone vulnerable at different times. I know of I actually know some younger folks who have fallen for some email scams just because they hit at the right time and the right context. So, you know, they they were caught off guard by something that maybe in other circumstances they would have said, Oh no, that's, that's a, uh, that's a Nigerian prince, (laughs) you know, but, but given a context, uh, they were, they were, they were fooled by it. So well, you know, and, and I think all of us, in, you know, I've been there and I've read that email and, and I've thought mm-hmm. twice about it. And, you know, like they yeah. do such a good job with it. You know, it's um, uncommon. For yeah, like, I had oh, one the well, other day where I had to go back and look at my credit card records. I got something and this is on our list of things to watch for, but I got something from one of the virus software companies. It said it was and it was one that I used mm-hmm. to use. And it basically said my, my subscription was renewing. Yeah. And my first reaction was, oh my gosh, that was like two years ago. Are they going to bill me $200 for that again? I don't <laughs> use that anymore. And then I looked at the email address and realized it was not real. 
but I was I was ready to pull out my bank statement and see if that act that subscription was still active. So anyway, you know, you do have to be careful. It's getting trickier. Well, I think that's probably why Americans are such good targets, right? Right. Simply, you know, our lives are so busy all the time and we're constantly just kind of going on autopilot when we're looking at emails. It just makes us easy prey in some cases. These scams are nothing new. It's just that it costs a scammer literally nothing to sit down and send out 10,000 emails at a time to So there's nothing for that. There's no cost to them. They don't even have to pay for the stamp, like they would have, you know, 30 years ago. So I had a long distance phone call. So, so anyway, you know, there's a variety of different things that we're kind of grouping together here. You know, there's, there's the old fashioned types of scams, like Mm -hmm. um, fake checks, um, stealing mail out of mailboxes, kind of the physical stuff. And, and then email, computer-related cybercrime, yeah. you know, phishing emails where an email may impersonate your bank or a financial institution and try to get you to click on a link that's then going to divulge all kinds of information to them or is going to put software on your computer. Yeah, it's been kind of interesting. I actually saw something. I can't remember if it was from you, the post office, or somewhere else, but apparently stealing checks. Like, I think there was a recommendation not to mail checks anymore. because people. Yes, were- that was in the, the Wall Street Journal. I had a report on that a couple of weeks ago. I think I was telling you about it after I read it, that that is actually one of the biggest crimes that banks are seeing right now is people stealing checks out of people's mailboxes. And then with today's software and printing technologies, they can fake a signature that's convincing enough for the bank and cash that check before you even know your issue. Right. So, yeah, I mean, we, we focus on cybersecurity and that's what it seems to be more in our face right now. But... Yeah. The good old-fashioned uh, uh, stuff like that still still is out there. Yeah, kind of making a comeback to some degree. Yeah. Very, yeah. you just never know. We, you know, obviously the cybersecurity stuff we talked about that, but then there's also the elder abuse. You want to walk us through some of the stuff that we saw in the training there, Dave? Yeah. So this this is kind of kind of an interesting, different different type of issue. So it's generally one person taking advantage of another person. And this is where, you know, it tends to be elderly folks more often than not. But, you know, it takes the form of posing, like impersonating someone else, like calling up your bank and, and pretending they're you. It can take the form of posing as a friend or a helper that is there to help someone with their finances, but is actually siphoning off money or changing beneficiaries. It can take a lot of different forms or making unauthorized payments on credit cards or um, bank accounts. And then kind of a more extreme version of it is, is where they'll use scare tactics to bully or intimidate someone into helping, uh, into um, Allowing them. Yep. To, the old, uh, hey, your grandkids in jail, <laughs> he needs bail money, send it to me. Like, that's a real thing. It happens quite often. The big thing is, you know, for our, our little company in the, in the financial world, is, you know, we've got to kind of see ourselves as the first line of defense. We can't, you know, do anything about your bank account access online. But, you know, when it comes yeah. to your investment accounts, 
and the things we can control. We're the we're the front lines on this stuff. So a lot of the training we went through was about how to spot red flags and, and how to deal with them. So you know, watching for changes in a pattern on how clients if if someone never takes money from a certain account and always yep. takes money from a different account, now you're getting a request that's different. You know, take notice, make sure, you know, make sure you take extra steps there. If someone's suddenly changing bank information to something that doesn't seem to make sense for them, I want money wired to this account in California when normally it's, uh, you know, just sent via ACH to the local bank. If you get a text request when the client never contacts you via text, emails that are poorly worded. You know, we try to talk to our clients about estate planning and things when all of a sudden you're seeing beneficiary change requests that don't fit with what we know mm-hmm. about the client's wishes. It's not that we it's not that we don't do these things anyway, but yep. it, uh, it raised awareness across the firm on what to watch for. And kind of our internal dis- decision making out of it is that, you know, our clients just need to expect that sometimes we're going to slow the process down and make sure it's right. And it may be a little bit of an inconvenience, you know, where normally um, you might expect us just to be able to do a distribution based on an email. And it's not that we won't, but if it doesn't fit, you know, if it raises any kind of question or concerns, we're going to follow up on that with a call, probably if you emailed or an email, if you texted some alternative form of communication, and, uh, you know, a lot of the things that would, we've got another line of defense right. in that, you know, to send money to a different bank requires a signature to change beneficiaries, requires forms, you know, there's some lines of defense. And that's one of the things they talk to us about is slow the process down before we worry about it. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's great advice for us in our role, but also great advice for anybody who's on the other end of this, right? Like the the whole fear, anxiety has to be done right away thing is how they get you to trip up and not think through and, and really just slowing down, asking questions. And that's what, you know, we kind of talked internally about doing is just slowing things down, asking questions. I always tell everybody, there's not really any things as, you know, there's no such thing is a financial emergency in that, you know, everything has to be done in the next 15 or 20, you know, 20 minutes. Usually things will be fine if it has to wait a day or two. Like it's not the end of the world. People, if it's legitimate, people will work with you. They'll figure it out. Um, and there's nothing that is really super timely as far as personal finance goes. Yeah. And that's, that's another of the red flags that we've been you know told to watch for when, when there seems to be a sense of urgency when there shouldn't be one. That, uh, you know, there's really, if you're getting your house remodeled, they're not like standing at your doorway asking for a check. Usually when you call this. Right. It's not, uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, none of it is cut and dry. And it's all, there. there's some, part of what they rely on is that, you know, we're going to be trusting of our clients' instructions to us. Right. And this is a trust business. So I guess that's part of why we want to put this out there is that when we push back or ask for a different form of verification, it's not that we don't trust the client. It's it's that we don't trust what they may, the situation they may be in that they can't control. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's nothing, you know, it's not the trust. It's just more along the lines of we're all 
we any of us could become prey victim to this, right? It, it's it just kind of when you start playing on emotions, it's human nature to do things. You know, I always tell people all the time, people make the worst financial decisions when there's the most emotion involved. And yeah. so scammers know that too, right? So they're yeah. trying to get something emotional out of you. So you just make a decision. You don't have to worry about it. You don't think about it. And all of a yeah. sudden you've done something that isn't necessarily what you would normally do because that heightened sense of emotion is up. And, yeah. and so they try to prey on that. And so our role isn't necessarily to doubt our clients, but let's try to take the emotion out of the situation and think through it logically and then come to a decision. And we might come to the same conclusion. It might be fine, but at least we took a little bit of time to have that conversation, sit through that process, which I think is huge in, in stopping, you know, a big chunk of the stuff like this that goes on. So, Another thing we can do to help our clients from, from that sort of abuse and from just, this plays two roles. It, it helps prevent abuse by someone that we think may be interfering, but it also just protects clients against health and, and you know, diminished capacity issues down the road is adding a trusted, right. naming someone for us to reach out to if we think something's not right that we can't right. talk that, you know, if, if we're not comfortable with what you're asking us to do as our client, is there someone that you trust that we can talk to to either step in on your behalf or at least, or confirm for us that everything's okay. Yeah. And so this used to be kind of a tough area. We were always told you can't talk to anyone about like, I like, like if you have an account with us, I can't talk, call your daughter and say, Hey, is your mom? Okay. Because I'm not even supposed right. to divulge that she's my client. And right. so a trusted contact form lets the custodian, the bank or a firm like ours reach out to someone on your behalf that you've designated as someone you trust and just say, Hey, your parents have an account with us. We're seeing some weird transactions or they're making requests that just don't seem right. We can't get any good answers. Is everything okay? Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's a great step. I love that it's becoming more and more prevalent. I think everybody should have a trusted contact on their accounts. And a lot of it, what it comes down to as well that we haven't really talked about is there's this sense of embarrassment, right? Like once it starts, or if you're not quite sure, you feel like you should know better. And so you're afraid to like have that conversation. And, and by having a trust and contact, somebody you can go to for all those things, even if it, it makes you seem a little bit silly. I think a lot of people don't take that step to call a yes. trust and contact because they don't want to feel like they're dumb or don't know, that, losing capacity. They had statistics in the training program that showed that people felt worse about the embarrassment than they did about the actual loss of money in terms of how they felt right. about it. And, yeah. and so, yeah, they were more embarrassed to have to admit that they had fallen prey to something like this than, mm -hmm. than the fact that they had lost money. And those are kind of the things regarding abuse and elder abuse. We should probably loop back to cybersecurity and talk about some of the things we've learned there. And we've covered this in other podcasts, but it's always good to bring up. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, cybersecurity, some of the big ones that we see often is, you know, people are a little bit too trusting of email sometimes as far as what you're willing to send or attach. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even if you're sending something to a secure party, 
that won't mishandle it once it leaves your inbox and goes to, you know, there's a, there's a gap there that that stuff can become compromised. So making sure you're either not sending that personal information, if you do have to send something, you know, for example, like we have a secure upload feature that we can mm-hmm. send you a link to upload stuff to so it doesn't actually get out yeah. there in the World Wide yes. Web. Or if, if you had to, you could, you know, white out or block out some of the personal information if you needed to send something. But I think I see that quite often as one of those things where it's like, so really wish you wouldn't have just sent me that document. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier just to click the little paperclip icon and attach it. But yeah. uh, right. one of one of our clients who was a cybersecurity expert several years ago told me that attaching a document to an email is the equivalent of putting it on a postcard in the mailbox. <laughs> that there's like there's no envelope. It's, it's, you're you're putting it out there for everybody. So if it's got a, you know, some things are fine. If it's a, if it doesn't have account information on it, if it doesn't have your social security number on it, the birth date, okay. I still don't love it. I just like that. I I just like from a like hygiene standpoint of just always getting in the habit of we're going to attach this encryption link instead. If you're sending us something, we're going to ask you to send it via encrypted link. I know most accounting firms, law firms that we've been working with are all using a similar system. So yep. that's just, that's, that's the name of the game. And uh, so if somebody's asking you to send them something and you're not comfortable with it, ask if there's a better way. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other big one, which is, I know, a sticking point with everybody, clients and ourselves included, and that is passwords. passwords right? Yes. <laughs> And, you know, and until we all have thumbprint scanners or retina scanners or right. something you plug into your computer to let you know it's really you, uh, let them know it's really you. It's something we're just going to have to deal with. Password managers, you know, those, those are those are good tools. There's some good ones out there. The Wall Street Journal just did an evaluation, several of them, the personal yep. use. Um, if you mm-hmm. Google that, I think that's one they made available to the public. So we should look for the link for that. I didn't do it before the call here. If you can't use a passwords manager, just make sure you use strong passwords and try to use different passwords for everything. Because the problem is not necessarily that they're going to uh, hack into your bank or someplace with high security levels and get your password. They're going to hack something like, you know, the um, newsletter you subscribe to from something silly that doesn't really have any information and then they're going to try that password at Gravel. Right. You know, that's that's yep. really the bigger fear is that they'll have one place that's easy to get into and then be able to get everything from the tougher places. Yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of an extension of that that we use in the office as well. And that's the two-factor authentication where, you know, if you're logging into something and it has it, I know it's somewhat of a pain sometimes, but click the box, set it up, get the text. I promise you it will probably end up saving you at some point. And it really, you know, there's so there's so many different apps and things right now. It's pretty easy. And if you're used to using it, it doesn't really disrupt your day all that much to get a code and throw it in there. So, um, and, you know, you added on this list to just think before you click, right? Yep. And kind of like with the, the virus software email I got the other day, 
I was I was pretty close to clicking that link just to see, you know, and then it was like, no, nope, this this is not. You know, I, I, it's, you know, we, we almost made it through, through one, one whole podcast without talking about money and purchasing. And I I won't say budgets, but you know, if we just took that attitude before we click on anything on the internet, we'd probably all be better off. Right. Not just from scammers, but from ourselves. Uh Like, do I really need that just because Amazon's suggesting it? There's actually an app that will like (laughs) make you like wait for a certain amount of time before you can actually make a purchase or something like that. Yeah. Another one that I threw on here too, Dave was update software. I know that that's been like a big, thing recently where, you know, making sure your software is up to date is super important. A lot of these companies, Microsoft, Apple, they'll find a breach, they'll find a hole and they'll close it up right away. But that means pushing on an update. And a lot of people, you know, I know are behind on updates in a lot of cases. So making sure you're regularly updating your software is super important because that's how they find out how they're vulnerable and fix it. But if you're not updating, then you're going to remain vulnerable. Um, so making sure your software is up to date is super important in this day and age. Yeah, and a lot of that can be automated. So yeah, so set yourself up on auto updates for your software systems, and uh, and that'll that'll help take a lot of that right out of the equation. Yep. So I think you know those are kind of the main takeaways. You know, I, I think the biggest one overarching is just slow down. <laughs> Take a few deep breaths. Think about things. Um, that's always going to be like the first best line of defense. But also use some of the tools that are out there for cybersecurity. Have a trusted contact. And, and I would even say, you know, have a conversation with that person. Like, hey, I put you down as my trusted contact for my you know, investment accounts. If you get a call from, you know, Dave or Nick at Shot or Bear, it's probably just making sure that I'm okay. Um, but also have a conversation with that person and say, hey, there's a lot of things going on and I want to make sure that I can come to you and ask you questions before I do something, even if it sounds silly. Don't make too much fun of me or you know, whatever it is to have that conversation beforehand. So you have that person where even if it's not something that comes from us, that you can go to them and say, hey, I got this email. Does it seem fishy to you? And we, you know, we will play that role for our clients too. You know, we've gotten calls and emails from clients or forward saying, hey, is this legitimate? And we're open to doing that. But I just wish that everybody had one or two people in their lives that could help them kind of think through something before they did it and, and you know, not worry about how that might make them look, perceived to look. Because everybody goes through this, everybody has those feelings and everybody, you know, slips up from time to time. So you're not alone. Um, so try to get over that, you know, initial embarrassment, I think would be a huge help for make keeping yourself safe. And, you know, for our clients out there listening to this, expect uh, trusted contacts to be a topic in our next meeting. We've already added sure. it to our agendas for this fall. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so, so think about who, that person might be for your persons. I like it even better yeah. if there's more than one. That's a great point too, Dave. And I know we were wrapping up here, but just one more thought on this. It, the kind, the thing that surprised me a lot about the training is, especially when it comes to the elder abuse, it's usually, a lot of times it's a family member, which is right. extremely difficult and challenging to deal with, not only from our end, but also from the client end of, hey, 
you gave your nephew access to your account to go make mm-hmm. a deposit for you or whatever. And then he ended up siphoning off money or whatever it is. Those are extremely difficult conversations. I'll remember, I remember I was at the bank and clients of the bank had their checkbook stolen by their grandson, I believe, and was writing checks. And it was, it was a terrible situation, right? Like he was on drugs, I believe. And they didn't really necessarily want to go to the police. And it was just a horrible spot to be in. And so having that trusted contact, being able to talk to people and and figure stuff like that out will hopefully help head those off a lot sooner before it gets really bad. Not uh, not a fun conversation, but a necessary one. If anything, remember, take stock, slow down and um, think things through. And that should that should do a lot of good things for you in the long run. So yes. uh, if you have questions on cybersecurity or you know anything along those lines, feel free to shoot us an email at info at SRB Advisors. I think it's a good idea as well, Dave. We didn't really talk about this, but to link the um, presentation that we did with Ian Richardson from Doberman on cybersecurity a couple of years ago. That's a great refresher. A lot of that stuff is still very, very true and relevant. So we'll link that in the show notes as well. And as always, Dave, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for the time and uh, enjoy the holiday weekend, my friends. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.